It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, your job as a coach and the player's job is to put the best product on the field and execute the game plan. So don't let the, the moment or the situation dictate what, you know, you're going to do as the coach. In this episode from the archives, Rob Everett, now an analyst for Wisconsin, joined me to discuss breaking down a late season or playoff opponent. We addressed how to select the games that belong in a breakdown, building a game plan for situations that do not always come up often, and even selecting film for your breakdown if that's the process for the playoffs in your state. There's a ton of great information here from Rob on things to break down as you finish up the regular season and head into the playoffs. Welcome to another episode of the Ed Series on Coaching Coordinator Podcast. And joining me as he does every week throughout the season is Coach Rob Everett. Rob, week 10 here in Ohio. We're heading towards the end of a, a lot of states' regular season. Some teams have already started their playoffs. And I think a, a unique opportunity and some things we'll talk about here today that relate to this time of the year. The end of the year can be exciting, but it also can be that grind where you know there's there's a lot of information out there, both on on your own team and that's available in your opponents. You know that we talk about tech every week, and you know the the good part is is in, in our sport today is that there's a lot of that. You know, it's so much so much easier to share information, and share things, but it can be crippling sometimes if you're not careful. Well, you have to look too. Is how does it fit into your workflow? Because let's say it's week ten, you have nine weeks of film maybe in your exchange that you could take a look at here from an opponent but you know what games do you really want to look at and we we approached this at the beginning of the year the idea of not having enough or not knowing and not having film and we're at the end of the season now and we have the exact opposite of that situation yeah that's right so i think you hit the nail on the head of starting this off you know when you're talking about your process and things like that this is this also can be a good you know off-season conversation with your coaches is you know what it plan ahead for what this looks like when you get a lot of film you know i can tell you in my experience and this this is probably wrong and i've had people tell me that i'm crazy because of it but you know i go back and, and i have my staff and my people tag you know every piece of film 
that, that we get, you know, sometimes it's the entire season. I mean, some people think I'm crazy because of that, but, you know, the, the thought process that I have is that we want to be able to reference and evaluate the film, not necessarily means we're going to use, you know, all 10 games or all nine games, eight games, whatever it might be, but we're going to have the ability to reference some of those things to be able to check, all right, this is who they are from a whole season. You know, this is who they are in the traditional cross set of the previous four games, you know, where this is what it looks like for common opponents who may be at week one, something like that. But I think it is important to be able to pull, you know, the entire season to a certain extent. And this is really looking at it from a defensive standpoint, just because you kind of, you know, you see how offenses evolve and things like that. Well, it is much easier today than it was years ago. I think back to, it was 2004. And at the time, uh, it was the first year head coach in this particular program. We were 9-0. and The opponent we were facing, our big rival, was 9-0. and And nobody had knocked them off in nearly a decade. They really had dominated in our conference. And I certainly had been, you know, saving any kind of exchange tape of them over the course of the season. And then that day, that Saturday, I had you know, three different coaches show up with uh, all the film they could give me just because they wanted to see somebody else win the championship. And, you know, it got to, we got all this in his VHS tapes at the time. We have these VHS tapes sitting on the table and we're like, what are we going to do with this? You know, because at that time, I mean, the breakdown, you were usually doing on a sheet of paper and then entering into Excel and, you know, breaking it down that way. So it was uh, pretty elaborate, the process as compared to today. But, you know, it's still at the same time, there is still that sensitivity to the coaching staff and their workflow and the amount of time they're putting things in. And, you know, you can you can also get into that over analysis of the situation. So I guess for you, Rob, on the defensive side of the ball, where do you start and how do you really get laser focused on the things you need to focus on for that particular week or week one of the playoffs or whatever it might be. There's a couple of things. First of all, as you were talking about VHS tapes, I can hear the rewind and play in my <laughs> head, which was awesome. You know, it's like burning leaves in the fall that, that uh, just popped in as you're talking about it. So that's outstanding. I think what's important here, you know, when you're getting to the end of the season, whether it's a rivalry game that finishes out the end of the year, you're starting to get to the playoffs. You know, it's funny that you say that, you had all these coaches giving you film and things like that. You know, you got to remember, and I had a conversation with a good friend of mine this morning who's playing a rival school and people are trying to make it into something that it is. It's a big game. There's no question, but that's for the fans and that's for people outside the program. You know, your job as a coach and the player's job is to put the best product on the field and execute the game plan. So don't let the the moment or the situation dictate what, you know, you're going to do as the coach. If you're heading into a playoff run or you're nine and oh, you've done so something right. And while it can be tempting to listen to somebody about, Hey, I have this play that will work guaranteed, you know, trust your staff and trust your, your, your instincts and your team, because you're going to know your team more than, than anybody else. But, you know, as you're looking through it from the, the scouting standpoint, you know, it really is important to find, you know, who the team is overall, and then see if you can identify those trends 
and and those trends really kind of involved the entire season because you know a lot of times people will throw out games at the beginning of the season when you're getting towards the back end of the season from a scouting perspective and I just think that's a mistake because those beginning games are you know an insight into who the coaching staff thought their team was going to be or who they wanted their team to be. So those that's some valuable information where, you know, you're looking at something and saying like they, they really wanted to be an RPO team, you know, and then towards the end of the year, it, it's, you know, fizzled out. But what is that information? If you know what a team wanted to do, and that can be valuable information in terms of like what their motivation and almost their subconscious is. Um, so those are the kind of deep things that I look for that, that the beginning games can really, provide you but then the the trick is is you know from a statistical standpoint obviously the more information you have and a good statistic you know if you have a hundred percent you know a hundred percent run and it happened 20 times that's a pretty good number you know if it's a hundred percent run and it happened once it's not the greatest statistic so obviously the more numbers that you have the more you know plays that you have is going to be better so you want to try to make your subset as large as possible but also making it relevant because a pitfall that you can get into sometimes is the team will as it ebbs and flows through the season and will sort of like regress to a 60-40 situation when realistically on their back end they became more of you know 80-20 run to pass so but identifying those trends really requires that you have the whole as well and then try to narrow those things down with the information that's relevant, but try to get as much relevant information as you can. Well, I think that's an important point of understanding how this team evolved over the course of the season. I look at this time of the year and I could think of it right here. The team we played in week one had some key injuries. They lost some key players. And when that happens, you know, you might start to look a little bit different. You might have to rely on different skill sets than you were at the beginning of the year. That player who replaces him may be a different type of player who it's you know better suited to go to a different part of what you have in your offense. Uh, so you might see that different picture. And, and certainly understanding that information, I think, is helpful in your breakdown. When did that guy disappear from their lineup? You should be able to see that, you know, with just with looking at jersey numbers on film, you know, take note of that. Don't just discount that, you know, a tailback's tailback. Look at that number, quarterback's number, receiver's number, key offensive lineman. How might that have changed over the course of the year and why? Was it an injury? Did the guy lose his job? You know, what, what can you figure out about that information as well? And then I think, you know, from an offensive perspective, anytime I've, I've gotten to this point in the year, I didn't necessarily have that motivation to add extra games into our breakdown. If we had the data, we certainly wanted to. But, you know, when you get to this point in the year, uh, most teams do play in a conference. So you have an idea of who's like us, right? Who is most like us? And then putting them in the breakdown to see how do they defend those teams. That should start to get you a good picture of what are they going to do against us? How are they going to defend us if if this is similar to what we do? And that happens over the course of the year. I know going through and the, with the team that I, I break down the film for, you know, there's there's one particular team that 
was not useful for us to break them down at any point during the year. We kind of followed the schedule through and, you know, play them in, in week 10. But the breakdown of what defenses were doing against them really wasn't too relevant to us because we were so different. So I think finding the the teams that are like you, and that's both from the schematic perspective, but as well as looking at some of the players you have and how you might match up personnel-wise, I think there's a lot of value in looking at things that way as well. And and not necessarily just looking at the three most recent games. Now, I, I do think it's important to do that, but I do think you can find those games that are most relevant to Who's like us? What can we get from this information if we put it all together? Yeah, I think that's it. That defensively is, is about trends, and offensively, when you're looking at, a, at an opponent, you know, you really need to find the relevant information to, you know, put the best picture together. I think that's a, a great way to look at the, uh, you know, the differences between the, the two sides of the ball, uh, offensively and defensively. I like that, coach. Well, I think the other thing too, I always looked at over the course of the season was how could I start to add wrinkles? How could I maybe build some tendencies that I know I want to break later on? You know, from the defensive perspective, I'm, I'm sure it's helpful to try to understand that too. And again, it doesn't necessarily always come from doing the breakdown. It might just be, you know, very quickly going through a game and just getting for a feel for who that team was. When you think about it too, to watch one side of the ball straight through and, and not really play around with that remote and go back a million times to figure things out, just go through. It only takes you 15, 20 minutes to view the whole game, right, when it's cut up. So there's some value in that. And the other thing I think from your perspective, Rob, on defense is what were the special plays? What were the tricks, especially early in the season where there's some things they did early on that maybe have been put on the shelf and might come back in this game? Yeah, or they're they're thinking that uh, they're not going to break this game down from the beginning of the year. You know, I can I can slide this play in again because it's seven games later. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that, coach, because that is exactly what I was thinking. That defensively identifying those trick plays, those things where they're trying to catch people. You know, whether it be tempo or something. You know, you need to have eyes on it. And just like you said, even if you're just watching it like you would watch a game, rather than you know actually breaking it down, there's still a, a tremendous amount of amount of value there. And then you know another thing to add on the on um, really, I think this is applicable to both sides of the ball. But those those special situations, you know, usually those are pretty consistent. And because they don't happen in every game, you know, you don't you don't always get a two minute situation. You don't always get a backed up situation. You know, more often than not, you're getting red zone things. But you know, the special situations that happen in the game, you know, you can really pull those from anywhere. And to get a good subset, you know, you probably need to include some other games. So that's something else that if you're just doing a smaller breakdown of three or four games, that going back and pulling you know, those two minute drives or those, you know, end of half drives or the special situations that you, that you prepare for just because most teams aren't going to vary their approach, at least not drastically. If they're going to be a, you know, a two man team in, in two minute, or they're going to pressure in two minutes, that's usually what they're going to do, you know, so you can get, uh, you know, a good sense of that by looking at games all the way through the year. I agree with you, and I, I could think of particular years, you know, late in the year where just looking at the last three games, like we might not have seen enough goal line as an example, goal line defense 
to really give us a feel for what are they going to do. But that's very easy now. You go back into your huddle film and, you know, usually you're at least going to get the breakdown, you know, down and distance and those types of things. So you can take a look at, all right, where's where's everything 10 and in? Let's just break those down, those down, those areas, not maybe the whole game, just to give us a better idea of what's happening there. Now, I could think of, you know, one particular year, I think we were playing Mount Union somewhere around seven, week seven, week eight. And even in that time, this is how good they are. I think I only had about six goal line plays out of all the games that we had uh, that, that we could figure it out. We had to put together a plan based on that. Now, we actually did very well because we, we figured out from one film that if we got in a balanced set, they would be balanced. And if we brought in big personnel, they would still stay in their base. And so we built a plan off of that. But that took a lot of you know, deduction on our part. I, I rather would have the data. I'd rather pull from those other games. And like you said, can we find the two-minute offense? Can we find the two-minute defense that maybe didn't happen in the last few games? You know, let's let's go back and, and look at just those situations, break them down, and have a better idea of what's going to happen. So it's not necessarily we're going to go back through all nine games and break every single one down, but we could pull situations out of it. Yeah, that's good. The the goal line stuff is huge, especially with big people, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. And it's always fun with spread teams too when they they bring in big people to see those, just because it's so infrequent. So that, that's that's a good one. Rob, I don't know what the rules were for you in Virginia when you coached high school ball, but you know, here in Ohio, I believe you get to choose three games that you want from the opponent, and you're going to get those in in exchange. Did you have a process for? Looking at, and I know you guys won a, a state championship there, so you guys have been deep into the playoffs. Uh, but what did that look like for you? How are you going to figure out what games you needed to look at from that opponent if you only got a limited amount? Well, thinking defensively, you know, I like the games that are the score differential is reasonable. Those are the, you know, even if it's, if it, I would take the ones that are close games over than the recent ones, uh, just because you get a clearer picture. Uh, that was one of the things that we, we started tagging, you know, pretty early on in, the, in that run of state championships was score differential. And, and we added something in that I think is pretty, pretty good. So you can throw this into your, your tagging. It's pretty easy, but we would tag the first two series as then we just call it actually first two. So even if it was, you know, let's just say it was 14, nothing in the second series, which if it was, that's, pretty bad but even if there was a score differential we'd still tag it first too because traditionally you're going to stick to a game plan you know what we found in those first two drives people are going to you know stick to the plan then Uh, but that gave us the ability to really kind of filter through and say all right you know we can get rid of the second half of this game or the the fourth quarter of this game because it got out of hand and we usually use three scores as the tipping point but I, I like that concept of being able to choose the games and thinking you know, defensively, you know, if you're going to 
talk about who's like you. You know, obviously, if, if somebody, if you're not front team and finding out how they're going to block a nose, that would be an important concept. Finding somebody who's like you from a pressure standpoint. You know, me personally, I'm a zone cover guy. So, you know, staying away from man-free teams if you if you had 10 games and you only could choose three. But that's how I would kind of focus those things down. Take a look at those games that are close so you can really get a good idea of what they're doing when it, when it really matters. And then also finding those things that are somewhat similar because, you know, we're a lot of odd front, you know, at, at its gut. And, you know, the odd front changes things for the offenses a lot, as you know. So that's how I would kind of look through those things and just, you know, because I did spend some time on the offensive side, even though I spend most of my time dogging those guys. I would look at similarities with tight ends for offenses, find those those scout films that, you know, play Y off, you know, or, or play with a tight end, staying away from two-man surfaces. If you're a pro and 11-personnel team, you know, really kind of staying away from those spread teams. And that's how I kind of narrow the focus down a little bit on, on the choosing. But that's a good exercise that everyone should go through. It's a good staff conversation piece in the offseason right there. You know, I, I love that idea of point differential. That's not anything we've ever put in our, our breakdown columns, but I could see that now as something that's very useful and really trying to figure out at what point does a team deviate from what you start to see maybe as the initial game plan as a change in things? Because, I, I mean, I, I see it in watching, like, opposing offenses. You know, I could think of one game in particular that I just looked at in this past week, I and mean, they came out with a lot of what looked like uh, an empty set. It was really kind of a, a hybrid wing T pistol type thing. And then they got away from it and they went back to their two by two and three by one at some point in the game. And I, you know, I don't know exactly what that score was, but I know there started to be big changes in, in, you know, the separation between the teams in, in uh, the points in that game. So I could see that as something very useful in really trying to delineate what do they do when they're, they're sticking with the initial plan and then, What's their plan when things aren't going exactly their way? How do they start to deviate? You know, is is this guy going to start to give me more pressure? Is he going to put more people in the box? Or if we're throwing the ball, you know, what maybe he drops back into coverage a little bit more. So I think understanding that too is important. And, and you know, I don't know that it exactly makes its way into the game plan, but it certainly makes way into your notes that you're going to be able to look at and think about during the course of the game. Yeah, and that's both sides too. Where I, I always use two scores as like a two scores as like a mental thing. I think for all coaches, you know, you get to nine points, and it's like whether you know whether it's up or down. I think there is a you know a psychological shift certainly in the second half. And so looking at what does that look like between one score and two score in the in the second half, both up and down. That's true on both sides of the ball. When you have a lead, are they you know do they stick with their pressure plan or they become conservative? You know or or the same thing, you know, does it become the the NFL model where it's almost like, ah, oh, let's just run out the clock, you know, <laughs> and, and 
keep this this play clock going um, and not worry about three and outs and doing some tagging and some NFL things right now. And, you know, it's just, it's funny to see score differential because the, the columns that I'm working off of have score differential right next to uh, I'm doing some ODK stuff. And it's, it's crazy the three and outs that happen when a team is up by two scores in the second half, you know, and it's not that they don't care. It's just, you can stop the run given a, if you commit enough people. You know, and so if if you're going to play conservative and the other team knows it, you know, there are some play calls that you can make that you will win just by simple math. So I, I think that's an important one when, when you're choosing. But uh, if people aren't using that one, that's a, that's a great that, – that can provide some really cool – really cool information and really you can get into the head of your opponent and and how they're changing when the when the score in the game is on the line especially when you you know like i said pair that together with the quarter well to wrap things up rob i think getting all this information is extremely valuable having it at your fingertips as you put together your game plan as as you go through a game and understanding that this is where they may go next i think is very important but especially if your team Heading into the playoffs, we're playing a big game for a championship. You have to remember there's a reason why you're there and there's things you've done along the way that work. And just because the data may present something doesn't mean that it's time for you to completely change what you're doing. There's a lot to be said about the execution, about what your team has confidence in. But yet at the same time, as I've said, the knowledge, having the knowledge at your fingertips can help you at at some points. Maybe if things start to deviate from what the original plan was. Yeah, I think that, you know, that knowledge is empowering, but it, you, you're totally right. It should not be the, the your players' comfortableness with the play calls and, and being able to play fast. That's the most important thing. But, you know, and this is coming from someone who loves numbers and is, you know, I, I believe in them wholeheartedly in designing a game plan. But from an instruction standpoint from the players, you know, you're right. You're there for a reason. And what is it that can allow your players to execute as fast and efficiently as possible. And it might not be the thing that is mathematically sound. That may be your scenario. So, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times already, you know, trust your gut and, and trust your process. And, but, but I will say at the same time that the data is empowering, even if you're just keeping it to yourself. And, and I'll, I know I, I speak like I've come from, you know, big high school programs and college and professional football. So I might downplay how easy it is to get data and things like that. But, you know, we've talked about this. It is easy. You just have to have a plan and, and, you know, everybody can do it to a certain extent. And we're here to help you if you, if you need help, but, you know, come up with that, you know, start small, but, but get those numbers in there, get those things, even if it's for yourself, but there's a lot of things that you can build off and make your team better. Well, Rob, as always, I appreciate your time, and I know you're doing some interesting stuff with your breakdowns right now. I'm excited to see some of that as as you finish it up, at least me personally. We might not share it here on the podcast, but uh, as we move through uh, the postseason here, we know that some teams are wrapping things up, so we kind of are going to devote some time to talking about maybe some things that can help you here through the playoffs We're also going to have our focus a little bit as well on those teams who are in the clubhouse and want to take a look back at their season and analyze some things. And remember, you can reach out to Rob uh, on Twitter, DM him at 9inthebox, spell out that number, N-I-N-E, 9inthebox. You can get me at Coach K. Grabowski. 
Rob, thanks again for your time, and I look forward to the edge again next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for listening to Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Next week, we begin our episodes on postseason playoff runs and championship games. And we'll also be addressing season wrap-up for those of you who are in the clubhouse. Best of luck to you this weekend.